Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Well, a pleasant good afternoon and evening to everybody. Welcome to The Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr along with Mr. Chris Davies, and we are the host of the show. Hope everybody's having a, uh, a nice week. Uh, Mr. Davy, as I always call him, I give him the respect that he deserves and, and has earned. Uh, Chris, how's everything going up there? Hey, we're all right, buddy. Thank you very much. Enjoying some of the uh, typical Arizona heat out here in Southern California these last few days. In uh, Riverside today, it topped over triple digits and got into the uh, 104-105 range, my brother. Thank you. Uh, for that's the heat. what it's. It's been that's what it was here this week. It's now 100 degrees right now, and uh, sunny, sunny out. They said in two weeks it's going to drop to highs in the 80s or mid 80s and down to 50 at night. So that's going to be quite a change for uh, for this year. And, and my wife Pamela is looking forward to breaking out her millions of sweaters and boots to wear if she gets. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, let's help, it, let's help it cool us off, Rob, because it's getting near trade show season for our industry, and, and you know that there's, uh, that there's uh, not any fun in, uh, in doing the trade shows when it's you know, in the 90s outside. No. But the other thing that I'm hopeful for when, when it gets cold, you clear out half, or, half, the, half the closet so I can get in there and get some of my stuff, <laughs> all this stuff. So uh, what, what's new out in your world, Chris? And then we'll bring uh, Miss Chris Austin on in a Ms. second. Miss Austin. Yes. What, me? Yes, sir. Yes, the purveyor of Vegas notebook, Chris, Chris Austin, join us. <laughs> well, usually you introduce me, so when I, you know, there's two Chris's, so I get I confused. Know. No, well, I, yeah, up here it's great. It's 93 degrees, which is uh, over... A higher temperature than we're used to having up here in Northern California, and they say cooler weather is on the way. So we will hope that that will materialize. Uh, that September was uh, kind of an amazing month in terms of temperature. It was uh, the hottest month on record, and uh, by by far it overshot any September. Uh, uh, reading that they had before so um hot times here on the good old planet earth before we get before we get into the news i just want to remind you all do you remember the day we had three chris's on the show (laughs) and 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 since chris davy and i aren't aren't in the studio next to each other you know we we could we could sit and look at each other and give signals and all that but now we can and then with you you know that's that then with the other chris that we had on we had Three Christmas that day. That was tough. Yeah, nobody was, knew when to talk. No, no. But anyway, Miss Chris Austin is the purveyor and creator of Maven's Notebook, and I'll do a great introduction for her. Uh, she's the most wonderful person I know in news for telling everything that's going on in water, and we're very proud to have her. And she's also an inductee into the Green Industry Hall of Fame, as Mr. Chris Davies is, and as myself is, and as Mr. Mike Barron was when he was uh, co-hosting the show. So let's dive into the what's happening in the news, and I know there's a a, a bill that uh, Chris Davey and I were talking about, but uh, maybe Chris, I'll let you start the uh, the conversation with uh, Miss Austin. Uh, 
Well, I will. And Chris, you know, I'm going to ask you this because we actually talked about it um, a little bit, but it's, it's AD 1572. And there's another one uh, too, but let's talk about that one first. And this is sort of California moving toward um, outlawing, watering some grass as, you know, turf that's known as decorative turf or non-functional turf. And, and it isn't really banning the turf, Chris, as I understand. It's not really banning the turf. What it is, is it's trying to, by uh, 2027, to introduce legislation that um, that uh, will not allow the use of potable water for irrigating non-functional turf. Do I have that pretty close? Yeah, that's, that's basically what it says. So it's not going to apply to residential lawns or apartment complexes, sports fields, or cemeteries, uh, but other types of businesses will no longer be able to water uh, turf that is not being used for any particular reason, except to look nice there. Um, and uh, the, the, the legislation specifically says uh, non-functional turf that is being irrigated with potable water. So there are some... Uh, landscapes out there that are that are uh, irrigated with with uh, recycled water, and so by my read of this uh, article, that those that would still be able to continue. Um, you know, if you remember back in the day when we first started using recycled water, um, it was uh, I think easier for the public to accept that recycled water was being sprinkled on the landscape versus being put into a reservoir or anything like that. Uh, that sort of set to change, but at the time, a lot of places did set up special recycled water deliveries to large water users like golf courses and, you know, other large landscapes like you might see on a university or, or whatever. Um, so I would understand that that would be able to continue if you have such a large landscape uh, and you want to get recycled water. I think that's going to be much more difficult now because there just are uh, a lot of people wanting to use that recycled water. And we have uh, new regulations coming out for direct potable reuse, meaning that that water now can be uh, will be able to be cleaned up and put directly into a water system or a reservoir. So, um, so we'll see. This was a temporary measure that has been made permanent. Uh, so it shouldn't be uh, too shocking to to those that it will apply to. And uh, they're they're set to go into effect of January first of twenty twenty seven. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, just kind of, sorry, Rob, I was just going to say, kind of frame it up for the listeners a bit, <clears throat> you know, just covering the message board here, you know, people asking, what does that mean? To to give it a little quantifiability, just in the, just in the six county areas of Southern California, that is, it's estimated there's just shy of about a quarter of a million, 250,000 acres of uh, turf grass, right, that, that serviced essentially by um, Metropolitan Water District of so Southern California. And they're estimating that probably 25 to 30 percent of that is what they're targeting as non-functional turf, right? So just to give you a, an idea, you know, the sort of, you know, 
street medians and, you know, as you said, non-residential, but street medians, uh, business parks, places where if it doesn't see feet, right, it's not supposed to see irrigation. Um, sidewalks, uh, businesses, parking lots, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, just, just our listeners were asking um, what it was. I, I haven't researched that to find out just how many gallons that will save, but uh, it's got to be substantial. Yeah, I'm going to flipping through here, looking at uh, they do expect it to be a significant amount of water, especially if you 25% in Southern California is non-functional. Yeah, I agree. What what happens to the people who are big into the green thing and we're taking this, well, they'll probably remove the turf, but... What's going to happen to all the carbon and, and things that it absorbs, the benefits of turf that's going to be taken away? Well, you'd have to think about the benefits of what is put in its place. If you uh, switch that out and make it uh, native plants, uh, you could have less water use. You could provide habitat for pollinators and other, you know, other species. So... You know, it really depends on what what people choose to do. You know, if they're going to uh, pull it out and replace it with, uh, you know, concrete, well, that's not that's not a plus. Yeah. But yeah. but that's there free, but that's free. yeah there 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 are a lot of options. So you know, what will people do? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I I think at companies like I'll, I'll just pick one, IBM. Uh, it, uh, they have a, a, a fact or facility that's one million square feet. It's huge, okay? And they got lots of turf. I mean, they got a campus, I guess is the better way to describe it. Uh, I can't imagine if they turned it into some of those things that we're talking about. Uh, it, it's going to be quite expensive to do that. Yeah, no well, doubt. Well, yeah. Also, also keep in mind, you know, this that, uh, yeah, Chris, just keep in mind, right, reading farther uh, into the bill, it's not, you know, it's not a cold turkey thing that on January 1st, 2027, all this happens, right? It's a five-year phase-in process between um, 2027 and 2031. And there's some exemptions, as you said earlier in the conversation, right, for places where there, uh, where there's turf areas that are used for, quote-unquote, activities, right, or community spaces, um, you know, like sports fields and parks and uh, perhaps cemeteries. I know there's going to be some debate over that as well, but I just want to point out that it's, that it's not, you know, a cold turkey issue. Yeah, and c- cemeteries are actually called out and excluded, at least as it says in the article that I'm reading. I didn't go back and look at the legislation. Okay. But uh, that was a big issue in the last drought when uh, they didn't exempt uh, cemeteries and a lot of people really objected to that because uh, that's kind of not what they expect to go see when they go to a cemetery. Uh, so the cemeteries do have a carve out in this. Yeah, that's good. I guess you know at the bottom line, it's saying, hey, we don't want to, we don't want all non-essential, non-activity um, based of being irrigated with drinking water, right? I mean, that's basically where this is coming from. Right, right. Uh, they're just trying to become more efficient. And I, in the, my article, it says that uh, ending this irrigation of non-functional turf 
will save the equivalent of water used by as many as 780,000 households every year. So there you go. They didn't give me a number. Nothing to turn your nose up again. No. But, you know. Well, there's a second bill. Go ahead. No, uh, go ahead, Rob. You too. No, I said there was a second bill that uh, the governor signed. Uh, yep. It was for a long-term fish monitoring system. It was AB 809, I believe. Well, yeah, we certainly need uh, we certainly need to have to support fish monitoring. Uh, paying for monitoring is a big deal. But I I was going thinking you were going to pivot to the other one. Oh, uh, I <laughs> which yeah, is was... artificial turf that they passed uh, uh, Governor Newsom signed legislation that makes it easier for localities to uh, uh, ban artificial turf because you know what they've kind of come to the idea that artificial turf is not such a good thing and we've talked about this before and I'm glad that artificial turf doesn't sponsor our show, so so I can easily say that I I am not a fan. But you know now now there's this other you know we know more now. I mean I I think that it gets hotter than regular grass, and it if you're using it as a sports field, it can be painful to uh, fall upon. But now it also has PFAS in it, so. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of reports from the back east have been talking over the years in the uh, Journal of American Medicine that uh, it causes cancer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, there. I, I don't know. I've never been a fan of artificial turf, and so now it's going to be easier to ban it. So, yeah. you know, that's, well, that's a trivia. good thing. I have a trivia question for both of you relating to that. What, who is the biggest company who makes artificial turf in the world? Who's the I largest? I have no idea. Chris, Davey? Monsanto? Oh, no. Monsanto is correct. Ooh, you, win, look at you, win, you win the jackpot. <laughs> Thank you. I'm waiting with bated breath to find out what that is, Rob. Uh, hey, we're pack- doubling your salary. A six-pack <laughs> of <laughs> Anyway, good, good, good answer, Monsanto. That is absolutely correct. Well, what else is uh, happening? I noticed the DWR and the River Partners are working together to protect communities from uh, flooding and, and other things and benefits endangered species. How's that coming along? Yeah, there's another project going in to restore floodplain, and which you know just has uh, lots and lots of benefits for the environment and for species. So. Um, that's a good thing. A uh, lot, lots of projects going in, uh, you know, restoration projects. And we've also come to understand how important floodplains are. Um, there was a floodplain project that finished up last year that when we had our wet season come in and it was so abundantly wet, it actually protected a disadvantaged community from, uh, from uh, being flooded out. So, you know, there are benefits to restoring these floodplains here, um, you know, uh, here in California, and there's a big focus on that. And, I mean, it's benefits for people and communities, and it's benefits for critters, too, Uh, because, you know, floodplains are great for 
uh, for raising salmon, baby salmon, and spawning. And, uh, you know, they also add food to the river. That's one of the things, fish food to the river. That's one of the things that we have learned re in recent decades is that, you know, by levying off all our rivers and not allowing the water to flow across the land, that, uh, that has meant less fish food in the, uh, in, in the water for the fish. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of benefits to that. Uh, so, you know, we're happy to see more of these projects going in. Absolutely. Appreciate so, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to go to another subject. No, go, go. Right I, again, the, the problem for our audience knows we're all in different locations right now, so it's a little hard not, not sitting next to them in the studio and just turning to them and Giving them, giving them a thing to go ahead. So we're all we're all doing this by by audio sound. So I apologize for that. But go ahead, Chris Austin. Yeah, you know um, the state water board has started working on the formal rulemaking process for this regulation that's called uh, making Calif making conservation a California way of life. And uh, there is just so much. Uh, wrong in the media about this uh, about this regulation and uh, including I posted something from uh, the city of Reading where they are opposing this regulation and they say that it has been finalized and is officially in place so I had to put a note on it and say it's not finalized it's not officially in place and they went on to say some other things that were not necessarily, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, uh, but um, you know, and and we hear this come up, and uh, I just want to say it as we get into the media frenzy that will happen. There is no law in California, nor has there ever been a law in California that limits how long you can take a shower or tells you that you can't take a shower and wash your clothes on the same day. And there's no regulation that's going to charge you if you do so. Um, this is a very complicated regulation that they're putting in place and it's just misinterpreted all the time um, including some uh, a recent campaign stop by uh, someone who shall be nameless that said that people in Beverly Hills smelled bad because they couldn't take showers as long as they wanted, which is not the case. Okay. People okay. in Beverly Hills have not been limited uh, in their shower times. Uh, so it, it's just crazy the amount of misinformation that floats along, floats around <laughs> this. Um, yeah. well, they, can, so, they, can pay, they can pay for expensive cologne to smell better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I find, I find that, uh, that's hard to fathom, Chris. You know, I mean, you know, do you know why June is such a popular month for weddings? Why? It's because back in the medieval times, right, you got a, you got a bath once a year, and it was just known that uh, the bride and groom were still fresh in June from their annual bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
So as we go forward, and as the, some media reports and some campaign speeches may talk about this, I want, just want to emphasize there is no such regulation. And this regulation is not proposing that. Now, they have a lot of challenges with this uh, regulation. Mostly people are arguing about the outdoor goals that they're setting uh, for outdoor use and, uh, you know, that this, uh, we have what's called a model water landscape efficiency ordinance, which sort of sets, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that sort of sets this ideal for what a well-designed, water-efficient landscape, how much water it would use, and they are finding out that uh, it doesn't, you know, that's the the calculation for you know Mwello, uh it is doesn't really flesh with reality you know so they're really they're they're working on all that stuff but but they're not working to add limits on showers or anything like that and there well, are I, no no fines to individual residents for this I I don't think they will do that I agree with you but what they will do is they'll look at a water budget for each home. Yes, and, and that. that's and what. Yeah, yeah, that's what's really it, at issue. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you go, and if you go over the budget, then you get a warning once or twice, and then you get a fine. And you know that's they they they've initiated that in, in like Temecula, California, some other cities, things of that sort. So I I think they would stay with that just. You, you can't tell how, how are you going to know. So, you know they're going to have to put monitoring equipment on and do signature flow analysis to know. Oh, how many times did you flush the toilet today? How many times did you wash your hands? How many times did you use yeah, the laundry? Yeah, you're not going to do that. No, no, that's not that's not what they're working for. Um, now, another aspect to this proposed conservation rule that you know is is a little another. Another one of those red herrings, I guess, is, you know, there are those that say, well, urban water is such a small use. Agriculture is the water use, and it's true, up to 80% of the developed water supply in California does go to agriculture. So they say, why do you not put these regulations on agriculture? And, you know, and we went through this in the last drought when they told everybody, you know, in the cities to conserve 20%, and, and they didn't say that to the agriculture. And people said, why do you leave agriculture out? Well, I'll tell you why they leave agriculture out. Because the farmers get an allocation every year based on what actual precipitation is. So what the, and what the water in the reservoirs is that so they get an allocation so if it's a drought year their water's already getting cut and this whole idea well farmers should have to conserve 20 percent okay so what does that mean if i'm a farmer and i trans i buy transferred water you know 20,000 acre feet to water my orchards am i supposed to save 20 percent of that what am I supposed to do with that 20%? You're telling me I can only water 80% with the water that I bought? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where what farmers are supposed to do with the 20% that they saved, especially given that their allocation accounts for drought years in, in, in and of itself. Uh, 
you know, can agriculture be more water efficient? In some places it can. In other places, you know, farmers are not stupid. They're business people. And water is their most important input. And so many farmers have for, you know, they, they take water efficiency very seriously. And they have installed drip irrigation. And they have done other things to preserve their water supply, especially if you're going to get a cut allocation, then you want to put every drop to work. So, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's going to be a long time before that, that whole regulation gets really defined and everybody, and, and most importantly, how, it's edu- how, how someone's going to educate the public about what it really means. And, and it's going to be, because you hear all kinds of stories. You know, I, I had mentioned a long time ago on one of the shows that you were on, Chris, about Beverly Hills, particularly when somebody had seven swimming pools in their, in their house or on their property. And the person said, he doesn't care what the cost of the water is. He wants his seven pools that he's going to pay the water for. He can afford it. So, you know, unless they really stick to this water budget, depending on what the property has, it's going to get crazy. And I, like you said, it's, they're not going to get down to the individual components of, of, of all those water features in the house, meaning a, a sink, a toilet, a, you know, spa, any of that stuff. So not going to happen. Anyway. Right. Um, well, Chris, we, we're going to go to our commercial break. We do appreciate you coming on. I was going to—I I do want to talk to you, which we'll do next time, about this weird fish that's been uh, floating up on different <laughs> parts of the ocean. Uh, I know Chris Davy wants to hear about it, or he may know about this thing. It's like it's like oh, a prehistoric. Oh, getting threat, Rob. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was hoping you'd ask me what else you want to talk about, Chris. But we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it next week, Miss Austin. I, I'm very interested in that subject. Yeah. Oh, yes. Can- I want to see pictures. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you very much. For our listeners, please go to bathensnotebook.com. Become a subscriber. You'll get the most in uh, water news every single day at your computer when you turn it on. It's a great source. Chris and I use it exclusively. And um, you can also become a uh, sponsor of the show, and that's a good thing. Chris, i got to tell you, every time we talk to her or call her off the show, she's busy typing, going to meetings. This She's a... She she does everything to make that uh, that uh, I, I guess you call it a blog or or internet <laughs> a website. Or website website yeah, no. yeah. Uh, it's incredible for all the things that you can learn you learn more you, in 15 minutes by reading what she does and what she reports on is more than you'll get in a newspaper uh, in a month on, on what's what's happening with all all things water so Chris thank you very much for doing a great job listeners go to that website and do that be a subscriber be a sponsor. And, Chris, we will talk to you next week, and you have a wonderful weekend. All right. Good evening, everyone. Have a great week, Chris. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with a uh, featured guest. That's going to be a very interesting conversation, a nice nice person that I had met. And uh, they were on the show a couple weeks ago for only a couple minutes. And uh, now we're going to give a a full segment to uh, understand what this company does called Yapify. So uh, we'll be right back. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll see you in just two minutes. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day. 
so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control, and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623-594-8689. Five nine four eight six eight nine. This is KCAA. So welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone with Rob and Chris, and hopefully you guys having a great day. And thanks for tuning in. Uh, we hope we uh, we try to make it a little light as we talk about the heavy business of water. But uh, we have a special guest on today, as I mentioned before the break, uh, who I met at a, uh, a Water Sense show in uh, Las Vegas a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're very excited to uh, to have this person come back on the air instead of just having uh, three to four minutes. So we're going to do a segment of that. And uh, I'd like to introduce a lady named Megan Jenkins, and she's the founder and, and CMO of a company called Yapify. So, Megan, welcome to the Water Zone Show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to, to be here. We're excited to have you. But before we get into the, the heavy stuff, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you, when you were just a younger lady, Mm-hmm. And uh, and what made you go? Because uh, I'm I really want to get to the story of what 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 is Yapify and where did it come from and all of that. But how did you get to the water industry? What made you go to the water industry? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I I don't know how many people as a child know that that's where they're going to end up. But for me, I've been in the water industry for about a decade now. But my background is really in communications and in public communications specifically. So 
out of college, I actually ended up in California. I was working on recycling campaigns. And mm-hmm. while I was there, it just happened to have been when California had its lowest snowpack in like 500 years. So as a communications person, I became very interested in what I saw being done in, as far as communicating about the drought with the public. And so eventually I saw, you know, a position open up with Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District in Utah, which is where I'm from. So that brought me back to my home state and I was able to work with some really incredibly innovative leaders in water um, for Utah. And at that time, I just found a passion for the projects we were working on. Specifically, we had some really fun water conservation projects. We you know, built a, a website that ran a, a statewide rebate program that was really fun. And eventually that led me to, to meet some other great water um, experts. And that's where Yapify was born as we kind of teamed up. And our goal was to create solutions and tools that we would have loved, loved to have had while we were working for the water district. Well, so the question that Chris and I have is, where did you get the name? What is Yapify? How does that fit in? <laughs> yeah, you know, we get that question a lot. It's a, it's a unique name. <laughs> um, well, maybe you're familiar. It actually comes from a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> so if you if you heard the story, Horton Hears a Who, I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but essentially in this book, there's this elephant, and he discovers this tiny speck of dust, and on it, there's this, like, microscopic world, right, with all of these people, but no one believes the elephant that there's anyone there. And so what they have to do is the Who's are instructed to just make as much noise as possible to prove their existence. And ultimately, like, their survival hinges on the ability to make themselves known. Um, And then at the very end, I don't know if you recall, there's this turning point where a very small child, he climbs to the top of this tower, and then he shouts out, Yop! And that final edition is what allowed the community to be heard and um, for them to be, you know, have this community welfare protection. So at Yapify, uh, at the core, we're a community engagement platform, but we allow cities and utilities um, to provide messaging to their residents that is critical. Um, sometimes, you know, we do a lot with emergency notifications. So sometimes, you know, boil order survival might depend on it, but we're also very involved in other types of communications like conservation-related messaging, as well as just things to streamline the service staff's um, jobs. We'll do digital door hangers is what we like to call them, where rather than notifying residents about service disruptions or shut-off notices through door hangers, uh, we allow agencies to send out a text message to, to do that sort of notification as well. You know, if I knew if I knew what that meant two weeks ago, I would have not asked Chris <laughs> The uh, what, what what was the biggest company that makes uh, turf grass artificial turf grasses? That I, I don't, you, told, you you told me before you it's a, it's a long story and, and now I appreciate what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. We just like to help agencies be heard, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll let Chris jump in and get some questions to you, Chris. No, yeah, uh, Megan, welcome. Uh, terrific to have you on the show. I was not at the event uh, for the. Um, at the EPA WaterSense event a couple of weeks ago, and I wish I, I was there, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't be there for the first time in what, Rob, like ten years maybe, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but but I was working hard at working in the office. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. so both Rob and I have uh, quote unquote day jobs, right? So. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, so listen, I've got you know I I monitor the chat board right as the as the show is going on. So uh, so 
for our listeners, kind of, you know, you've kind of told us what, you know, what you do. You, you work with um, uh, different kinds of utilities and things like that to make their messaging a little better to their, to their customers. Um, so, so that's kind of like the 30,000 uh, view, uh, 30,000 foot view of that, if you will. But, you know, got to dig a little deeper into that and, may, and maybe ask a couple of questions like, some of the listeners are asking, are you are you just local to Utah? Are you um, just statewide? Are you nationwide? How, how big is the organization? Yeah. Um, so we are. We started in Utah. We're a Utah-based company, and a lot of our clientele is currently in Utah. However, our product is a software platform, so it's hosted on the cloud, and we can, we can take clients from, from anywhere around the world um, to provide our services. We've had a ton of we've had lots and lots and lots of uh, water agencies on the show before in the, in the you know seven and a half years we've been doing the we've been doing the water zone, and Rob and I have talked several times about how you know how timid how uh, timid some of the people are about the, you know talking to their constituents and their you know their their meters if you will as the way as the way the way they describe them. So you know, kind of get getting deeper into it a little bit more. Kind of what sort of what sort of things? I mean, I'm sure you've got processes and there's many steps and you know, this is what you need to do. Kind of take us a little, on a little journey, a little deeper into how you provide those services. Sure. So what our goal is always is to provide a service that is something that the your residents or your customers are finding value in as well as your staff. Um, and so as far as the messages that we send out, we're very focused on making sure that it's it's something that a resident is wanting to receive and can provide a benefit to both. So, for example, here's here's one of my very favorite uh, scenarios that we saw. We we did not develop this platform to deliver shutoff notices. That is not why we were created. Right, but that right, is a right. use case that a lot of agencies um, utilize our platform for. And some of the stories that have come back, they talk about how, you know, no one likes to go and turn off someone's water. And uh, sending people out with the door hangers, it was just, it was a lot of time, and it just wasn't yeah. very fun, and then people would get upset, and they had to deal with that. Um, so instead, what we've ha- helped them to do is a lot of these agencies, they'll send out a reminder notice. And it's you know not it's not confrontational in any way. It's just something like, hey, you have a past due balance on your water bill. Um, if it's not paid, shut off around this date. And then they'll send out a link to their bill pay service. And I think what's been surprising to me is now, you know, it's, it doesn't feel as... Um, personal almost when you're getting that text in that way but people would reply back and say things like oh my goodness thank you so much my credit card expired i had no idea or uh thanks for letting me know i'll get care taking care of this and that kind of shift of people um actually thanking a water provider for proactively providing this information was surprising to me in the beginning but now i've seen it so many times in different situations where i'm starting to understand proactive communication can have a lot of power when it comes to building trust um, with your residents and with your customers. So what we've discovered is typically the types of things that a water utility would need to communicate about falls into one of two categories. It's either planned or it's unplanned, right? But in both scenarios, when you can be proactive, you're going to have a better response typically from your customers. So if it's a planned event, say you need to you know, do a repair on, on a water line and you have a service disruption, the, there's some survey that was out there. I wish I could remember the source, but it says that typically, you know, people are going to ha- have lower satisfaction with their water provider after a service disruption 
with one surprising exception, and that's when they were communicated to about the service destruction beforehand. And then suddenly, they're actually going to have a more positive perception of the water provider. And it's the same thing with those unplanned unplanned events. If someone has a service disruption from like a, a mainline break, and the person who communicates to them about what's happening is the water provider, suddenly that's a trust-building experience, rather than if they're the ones calling their water provider saying, what's going on? Then they're feeling frustrated and not heard. So really, we're just trying to shift the way agencies are able to communicate with their residents so that it is proactive, and we're providing them the tools that enable them to do that. Yeah, so we've all seen that on our own life. Sorry, Rob, I'm just going to tag something up there. We've all seen that on our own life, Megan, for sure, right? I mean, I remember, I don't know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, a couple of dozen years ago, uh, uh, maybe, where any, any correspondence you had with your water agency was all through mail. Right. There was, you know, you didn't have an email registered. You didn't have that sort of stuff. That's changed now. Right. I mean, you've, you know, everybody's got an email and, and it just becomes um, uh, easier. And as you were describing, now it's a two way communication. It's not just a one way. You know, say, well, here's my bill from the water company. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Um, you know, it, it, it's two ways now. And I'm sure you're expanding and doing things like on social media and and, and other things like that. Is that uh, has that become a big part of of your efforts as well? You know, for what we do, we don't rely on social media too heavily. We encourage agencies if they have a social media uh, presence to obviously utilize that. But a lot of our messaging is very specifically targeted, right? We're only sending out messages that are relevant to smaller groups of, of their residents. And so social media isn't really where our focus is. But one thing that we do realize is that people have preferences about the ways they like to be communicated with. And so our platform, we allow agencies to utilize a whole series of channels of communication. We have text messages, emails, um, phone calls, postcards, letters, all of those can be sent out from our platform. So as residents update either their communication preference of how they would like to receive notifications, we can honor that. But it also allows an agency, you know, no, very few utilities have perfect contact databases is what we've discovered. But if we can kind of layer each of those channels and say, let's text people we have a textable phone number for, then let's send emails to those we can't, and then let's send a phone call, and for everyone else we can send a postcard, suddenly you have 100% reach of your service area, which is incredibly powerful when there are situations where it's critical for you to reach everyone. Yeah, I think it's not only important and more critical to do that, but I think, you know, now, uh, nowadays, you know, people, customers, agency customers just expect more from 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 you know public employees than they than they did before right i mean you 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 have to agree with that oh yes for sure actually it was interesting i i think it was last year at the awwa um conference they did this little like focus group type thing where everyone was talking about what are some of the main issues that they would see facing our industry um in like 2050 and it's surprising how many people brought up things like transparency or um, public trust. And, and you see that already, but I definitely think it's something that's becoming more and more critical. Well, what's good with, with what your system, I believe, does, I mean, you can track interactions uh, on, a, on a central spot, which is pretty cool. And, and you know, you, you, you can increase participation in rebate programs, uh, but, you, but tracking people and getting their responses back and knowing that they're using it and working with it 
it's a good thing. And I, I, I would believe it, it could be a, a, a time saver and a money saver to the water agencies or utilities because you have this, this, this system already developed. And like you said, you can, mm-hmm. you can enter it in and, and give them what they, you know, it, it, it all comes out individualized for them. Oh, and, for sure. And I think that's pretty powerful. You know, I, I, I know during the drought in California, and around the country, the water agencies have done a great job in communicating, as you saw from the WaterSense event. And I think that's a good yeah. thing. But but it takes a lot of time from a smaller agency to really understand how to communicate with, with their people. I've seen small water agencies that just are bad at, 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 re, at re, uh, responding back to back to their customers and things of that sort. But you can you can you can now, from what I understand, with what your your the power of your your product um, system is that you can you can narrow it down to the and divide it into the sections. Meaning, this is the number one issue that you're hearing about in return for what your data you're putting out or your information you put out. And I think that's a good thing because you know most people don't know how much water they use until the end of the month when they get right. their bill. And and I always use the example. The comparison: If you go get your car, your car, if you have a car with regular gas engine, and you're standing there filling it up, you see the moment the gas goes into your tank, how much how much you're using and how much it costs. Most people don't have that capability on their water. You know, I I, I, I bet you less than two percent, and that's even stretching it, of the public don't even know how to read their water meter that's out front of their house. Oh yeah, and, for sure. I definitely agree with that. And, you know, it's interesting. I think I mentioned to you when we talked before that in all of the systems that we're working with, we see this water use trend where in many cases there are about 20%, maybe 25% of users that use 70% of a water provider's deliveries. So when you're looking at that kind of a distribution and you have an agency that maybe, you know, like, for example, I mentioned we have these statewide rebate programs in Utah. One of our rebates is for smart controllers. Now, the problem is if you give a smart controller and you just, you know, give it to everyone, you might not see the water conservation results that you're expecting because you've got, you know, such a small portion of people who are overusing water and you actually have quite a few people who are underusing water or using less than a smart controller might indicate that they should. Um, So one of the powerful things about pulling in data is we can have, you know, we can pull in water use data into our platform and we can identify the people that would, you know, achieve the best results conservation-wise for each of your programs, whatever those parameters might be. So in a smart controller case, the people who you really would want to give that smart controller to in order to maximize your effectiveness with the budget that you have are those high water users, right? That top 25%, maybe 30% of water users. Oh, you're absolutely right. I, I know, which I won't mention the names of the water agencies that on this particular instance where they gave everybody... <laughs> Uh, free free controller, free smart controller. Well, that's that's just like saying you have an engine in your car, but it doesn't mean that you have tires on it, or you have oil in the, in the tank, or gas in the tank. And, and and you know, smart controller can only do one thing. But you know, if you have broken pipes, if you have uh, clogged nozzles, and I go down the list of all the things that are that the irrigation system has, it's just one part of the system. The smart controller is just the brain. And and I, I this this one agency put 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 I think a couple hundred units out, and, and they they did a, a, a test an audit at the house and made sure everything was in working condition. They fixed the bad bad things, uh, you know, uh, spray heads that were not to grade level. They were buried under. 
Anyway, within a year, they found out that it didn't really work. The smart control didn't work, mm -hmm. so they say, because nobody came by and changed. Nobody came by and, and, and watched and made sure nobody changed anything. Well, people said, gee, the water doesn't come on today. Why not? I always used to come on every day, even though it was programmed for a smart controller, so they'd go in and adjust the controller and change what sure. we to them. <laughs> so, so having a system like yours to, to monitor that and be able to get all the feedback, that's that's important because you don't have to wait a year to find out that they actually use 40% more water than they really needed. You, you'd, know, you'd know instantaneously, basically, you know, uh, in real time. And that, that's that's super that's a super plus to be in the industry yeah i think that what we see is there's you know every year there's more and more data that's available to water providers especially as we have um, ami and all of this water use information coming in but the challenge sometimes is how as water providers we can use that data to help us accomplish our goals and so that's one of the things that we aim to do is we can pull in that data and help figure out what are your best steps or actions to take based on this data as far as who to reach and with what type of messaging. Yeah, that, that's a smart way to go. Chris, got some follow-up questions? <clears throat> sure. So um, just, you know, like, like going back to uh, your work with um, water agencies uh, and uh, what any, any other customer base you work with, or is it just primarily with water agencies? You know, we started out thinking that our primary customers would be water agencies because that's our background. Everyone who helped found yeah. the company, we all came from a water agency. But we have a lot of success with cities, and they will utilize our, our platform for more than just water as well. So, you know, if there's a city and there's a holiday and they need to change their trash schedule back a day, they'll use our platform to send out a message to their community letting them know when their new trash day is or things like that. And it's been wildly successful in some of those use cases as well. Wow. You sound like you really love what you're doing. Oh, it has been so much fun. <laughs> we, we, love, we love every... We love meeting with each of these different agencies. There's so many different unique communities. And I think one of my very favorite things is just watching kind of the, the community voice that different agencies have. There's You have your really small towns that the people know them by name as they're sending out these messages to them, or you have your larger ones that take a more professional approach. And all of it is so fun to me. Have, have you have you noticed or believe that the name you've chosen is, is a tool for you to promote yourself? <laughs> you know, that, I'm not sure. I guess that's still to be determined. There has been no one that has uh, become a client that said it was because of the name. <laughs> but I'm happy. Hey, maybe well, I didn't mean it. Well, I didn't mean it in, in the negative way. I thought it was, it was a name that was so different and so catchy yeah. that People would want to know more about it. Like I said, when I first mentioned it, I saw the car. What, what's Yapify? Tell me. I don't know. And I even, I even. I know. And I think I told you, sometimes people call us Yo Piffy or <laughs> we get all sorts of things. But I, I think that as we go out, well, we need to well, start carrying around the book with us, the Dr. Seuss book, and we can pull it out and read it to people. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did a boo boo with your name. I, I was typing something to Chris, and I, I did Popify. Instead of oh. Yapify, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I can't find anything. Yeah, so I think that I, 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 when I when I 
There is actually a website, what Rob. Is, it's uh, it's like a K-pop. Uh, it's like a K-pop we- uh, website in Korea for <laughs> called Popify. No. <laughs> oh. no, but I think I think it's a catchy name that people remember, and that, I think that's that's a good thing. Is you want people to think of something that that's different than everybody else, and, and, and it's awesome. So I, I, thought, I thought that was clever. Yeah, I love it. And now that I know the story, uh, that that that's awesome. Yeah. Well, how do <laughs> hey, well, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> how do how do utilities and, and and water agencies and any other company get a hold of you? Yeah, well, they can always visit our website, which is at yoppify dot com. Um, we're we're offering some free communication consultations to individuals. So if they want to reach out and just tell us about some of the things that they're trying to achieve, we can work with them to look at their current processes. And even if they don't use our platform, we have recommendations that might help. Hey, Lisa, thank you very, very much for coming back on and and, uh, really getting to to know you and your company and and all the great things that you're doing. So all you want from Wari to all the office, Get up there, get up there. Thank you again for joining us. All right, people, uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Hope you had a lot of fun. I know Chris and I have fun all the time every day on this show. But most important thing we tell you is please help your planet blue. Because if you like green, you can't get there without blue. So good night, everybody. You have a great week. KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM.